First say to yourself what you would be, and then do what you have to do. Epictetus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dominate Test Prep Podcast. I am your host, Brett Etheridge, and I am excited about today's topic, and I'm really excited to reconnect in some ways with our guest today, Taylor Siebert. He and I he and I kind of go way back, and yet we haven't actually been in all that much communication recently. Uh, you know somebody's a good friend when they actually help you move. <laughs> so he and I lived in Colorado together, Denver, uh, got to know each other playing softball um, and and he actually did help me move one of my houses and then he promptly moved and left and moved to Nebraska and and we've kind of fallen in and out of touch but have reconnected recently because of what he is doing for his business for his career he owns a company called class intercom where he specializes in social media and empowering students and teaching them how to use social media effectively equipping teachers and schools to actually empower students to use social media effectively. So he can tell you more about that. But what we're going to talk about on today's episode is social media and specifically, what should you be thinking about in terms of social media as you're navigating your higher education journey, whether that's during the application process and you're trying to figure out, you know, are our admissions officers looking at what I'm doing on social media? How can I use social media effectively during the application process? And then even once you're in school and you're moving on to start your own professional career, how can social media be an asset? Sometimes I feel like social media is almost like a, a pejorative, a bad word these days, like, oh, anti-social media, but it can also be used as an asset. It can be used for good as you're looking to get into school and have a successful career beyond. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited about it. Uh, Let me actually introduce our guest so you can hear from him. Uh, Welcome, Taylor. Thanks for being here. You bet. Thanks, Brett. Uh, So, and let's actually, let me give you an opportunity right at the outset to actually speak a little bit more about your company. So tell us a little bit more about Class Intercom and really kind of what was your journey to get to that point? Why Class Intercom and why the focus in your business on social media? Yeah, it's a really fun story and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share it and share it with your audience here. And I hope that uh, they find some value in it and how important this topic is um, and how it's impacted my life. And uh, we won't tell any softball stories or I do remember helping you move into that pod. Uh, thanks for reminding me of that. Um, some fun times there and it's been fun to reconnect with you, Brett, and see um, you grow and, and expand what you're doing, which is really exciting. So yeah, when we lived out in Colorado, I was doing something totally non-related to what I'm doing now, but I've always been kind of a, a nerd, if you will. Uh, when you go back to school playing SimCity, Oregon Trail, just loved computers uh, in elementary and loved, loved technology. I was in yearbook, loved creating content with uh, my buddies and I creating videos that are now up on YouTube, uh, which that didn't exist, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, but we loved creating content. And, um, and my co-founder, Ben Pankinen, uh, tells some of the same stories. And so my journey has been really uh, unique. Uh, I went to a small private college here in, in Nebraska and got my business administration and management degree and uh, really learned and learned how to learn in college. Um, average student in high school 
didn't do very well in my ACT. There wasn't people like you out there, you know, helping uh, students like myself uh, learn how to take a test. And that just wasn't my thing. And so it's been fun. I've done lots of different things. And so um, always knew I wanted to start something though. Both my parents kind of uh, have an entrepreneurial kind of background uh, with my dad taking over his grandfather's uh, business, my mom starting up a couple businesses. And so I knew that was something that was in me. I didn't realize it until later. Um, and so moving out to Colorado, I'd looked at different things. Um, but eventually we, we came back to Nebraska. I love to tell the story to students because you might not get your dream job right away out of college. Uh, that wasn't the case for me. I got something that I learned how to serve others. I learned how to sell um, and build relationships and trust with people. And then that led me to uh, going in with a friend of mine in his business. And we sold insulation machines to heating and air conditioning contractors across the country. And so I love telling who are, you know, people listening, parents, students listening to this, you're going to do some stuff you don't necessarily like uh, in your career journey. And uh, you might have to, to blow insulation like myself. And this will come full circle here in a little bit. But I always love technology. And so I gravitated towards helping a friend of mine out in Colorado when we had moved back to Nebraska and, and was doing the insulation thing. I knew I wanted to do something with technology. And so I had the opportunity to actually help uh, his web design company uh, build some websites and do social media for other businesses. And so that was my first kind of taste of creating content and getting paid for it. And that was pretty new. This was, you know, 2009, 10, uh, you know, Facebook was just coming out uh, beyond the college realm and Twitter was kind of taking off. Uh, there wasn't an Instagram yet. And so got a taste of that and really enjoyed creating content for other people and um, then decided to start my own business and start a, a little local online news website and use social media to do that. And then that evolved into uh, starting a company called Strive. And we serve now 120 schools across the state of Nebraska with a live streaming service. And guess what? I used social media to build that business. I found out educators are connecting on Twitter. And I just dove into that community, served them. I was out and about taking pictures of their school um, and just and loved it. And so through that process of, of growing that company, we started hosting these workshops to educate students and teachers uh, and administrators how to use social media to promote their school. And what we always say is help, to help share their school story. And through that workshop um, and connecting with Ben Pankinen, who's now the co-founder with me, he had started a company helping banks and financial institutions with social media and built a software to help them do that uh, because there's lots of hoops you have to jump through. And so I thought it'd be really neat. I've always wanted to connect schools with people outside of education to see you know, what it's like in the real world. And so we, I, I brought Ben in, I had connected with him and became friends with him. And through that workshop, uh, we, we found out something that was a light bulb moment and a huge pivotal moment for why class intercom exists. And that was uh, Ben got in a conversation with a group of four sophomore girls from one of the schools we were working with. And the conference was focused on social media. And so Ben did his talk, got in a conversation with these four gals and they just kind of went off uh, and on all the things they were going to be doing for their school as sophomores uh, in creating social media content for their school. And this was about four years ago. So way ahead of the, the curve. And they started going through, you know, what platforms they were on, what they were going to be creating. And Ben was listening and kind of smiling and finally goes, 
ladies, this sounds amazing. How are you actually executing on this? Like, what does that process look like? Knowing, you know, he works with banks and all the hoops they have to jump through to post content. He thought, this will be fun. Like, how do these girls actually post to Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr at the time, Facebook? What does that process look like? And they looked at him funny and they lifted up the, all their matching MacBook Airs and they had a sticky note on the MacBook Air that had the username and password to the school's Twitter account. And our mind was just blown. Ben comes to me and he goes, Taylor, did you know the schools you're working with are doing this? And the principal, you know, gave them that sticky note. You know, what could go wrong when they go back and, you know, the captain of the football team gets that or someone, you know, wants to hack into the school's Twitter account. Just so many things running through our mind. I go, he goes, do you, is this happening at a lot of schools? And I go, yes, that is probably happening or they'll just grab the student's device and log in. And so we've been on this journey uh, for the last couple of years of discovering that schools across the country have this issue. They want student voice. They want to give students hands-on learning opportunities and creating content, whether it be yearbook, journalism, business classes, entrepreneurship, uh, marketing classes, English, all these different classes, but they don't have a safe way to do that. And our platform helps them accomplish that goal. And we kind of are their guide um, in helping them create that content safely. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's a, obviously a brilliant platform, a brilliant business model, helping schools and helping students. I know as we kind of transition a little bit, let's talk about the content creation itself. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are kind of past the high school days maybe, although certainly there are high school students thinking about that and and they need permission and jump through hoops to post stuff through their school accounts and so forth. But for people who just can open up their phone and just post something to Facebook, post something to Instagram, post something on Snapchat, what are some of the things they need to be thinking about specifically with regard to the admissions process? You know, and I guess to kind of couch the first part of this conversation, I, I read an article recently that suggested that 40% of admissions officers look at an applicant's social media pages as they are evaluating that, school, uh, that student's application. So what should students be thinking about the content itself that they are putting out there? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say to that, why wouldn't they? If that, if that is available to them uh, to, to look at that student, potential student's profile, why wouldn't they? And so something really interesting is happening right now because um, that admission advisor is going to search for that potential student's name or, you know, graduate student, whoever it is. And um, it tells a lot about that person. So, you know, one of the best things to do is Google your name and see what comes up, right? A lot of the times, SEO wise, uh, your social media accounts come up. And so it's really easy for them to find those. And so if your accounts are private, like on Instagram, you can make your account private. Obviously, Snapchat's going to be more difficult to see what you're posting, which is why a lot of youth have moved over to that platform or even, you know, the millennials because it does, it is a lot more private. They don't want that to be shown publicly. And so there's a lot of different things happening there. But that's one of the questions I would want you to ask is, you know, when someone does search my name, what are they seeing? What are they finding? Does that represent who I am? Because back when you and I were applying and, and you know, 10, even 10, 15 years ago, we would hand them a piece of paper or email them a document. And they would have to 
judge us based on that piece of paper. Now, with social media, it's given us uh, a much wider scope of who we are. And so you have to ask yourself, who do I want to be? Do I want to be the same person online as I am offline? And, and I would push you to say, the answer is yes, you want to be the same person so that you're not tricking them or faking or pretending to be someone you're not. And so utilizing these platforms and having the lens of going, I'm going to share about things I'm passionate about, whether it be like for us, uh, you know, we like sports or um, really like, I love reading business books. So I share the books I'm reading on my Instagram or on LinkedIn. I love talking about students creating content. Don't try to talk about things that you're not interested in, right? Because the truth will come out and that will be revealed. People will see that that's not authentic and real, which is something we always, you know, are talking about uh, with students. And even this audience is, you know, be truthful, um, be who you are when you're hanging out with your friends as on social media, even though all of us old folks joke around, at least I do, saying, gosh, I'm glad Facebook and Twitter weren't around when I was in college or high school, right? Um, and so we have that luxury of saying that this generation that's going through this process right now doesn't, and they don't know any different. And so um, there's a lot of just things they need to be thinking about when creating content. And it's really hard to create content. I'm going through a struggle right now because I'm so focused on, you know, selling and uh, adding, you know, team members and things like that. I don't have as much time to create content, even though I love video editing and creating a podcast. I love doing all these things. And I've been able to do that for the last 10 plus years. I'm like in a weird spot right now trying to figure out what am I supposed to be talking about on these platforms, right? And so I've kind of taken a little break and a step back and that's okay to do that. Um, but when you're in the space your audience is at, it's really important to share what you're passionate about, share what you're learning, because that's going to show these, you know, admission advisors, wow, this is a really motivated student. Uh, they're really passionate. They're reliable based on, you know, what you're posting um, instead of just posting selfies all the time provide, you know, I always tell students, provide something that's going to be valuable to other people. Is this, you know, that's the lens you want to have when you're creating content. Is this piece of content, you know, selfish? And I want people to know I got new running shoes for Christmas. That's why I haven't posted about it because that's kind of selfish. Um, or do I want to post, hey, my goal is to run 250 miles this year. That's going to motivate maybe um, one of my followers go, hey, I want to join you in that and bring value to them rather than, hey, look at my cool new Nikes that I got, which are awesome, by the way. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what kind of shoes did you get? That's cool to me because yeah, I like the to run. Nike, uh, uh, what are they? Joyride fly knits, uh, white with some like orange and blue, light blue, like sweet shoes. Like the guy I was working out with this morning even said, whoa, what are those? You know, and that's why you post on social media a lot of times because you want people to see, oh, how cool I look. Um, but at this stage, you know, that your audience is at, it's really important to show what you're learning about. How are you growing? What are some of the challenges you've gone through? And that's really hard to put on social media because it makes you vulnerable. It does. Yeah. And so... And, and there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's actually table the conversation about the logistics because you're exactly right. Like where should you be posting? How often should you be posting? How do you create content? We will get back to that question as you're listening. So let's table that. 
Um, but let's talk about kind of where students are right now and they're kind of at a juncture. I think what you talked about is super crucial. In the admissions consulting world, we talk about creating a story. Your application tells a story and that requires some forethought, thinking about how you want to present yourself, who are you at core, and how do you want to tell that story during your application to make you appealing to the admissions officers. And social media can play a role in that. So students can start thinking about now, and that is a, that, that's like a projection forward situation. Let's actually look backwards first. So what if somebody hasn't been thinking about all of those things yet? They are just now thinking, hey, I should probably go back to graduate school or I'm going to go to business school and I need to start now thinking about the whole application process, not just my GRE or GMAT, but the essays I have to write and the story I want to tell in my resume. And oh, by the way, now I have to think about what my social media is going to say about me. Okay, I'll deal with that in a second. But what if I need to clean up my social media? So so let's actually look backwards first. What should students be thinking or doing about their existing social media posts that are already out there for the world to see? Yeah, great question. And I'm not sure I have like the best advice, but I've got a story. So talking about a story, you know, and developing that story of who you want to be. I just figured that out for myself. You know, I'm 34. And I just figured out kind of like three pillars in my life, serve, work, and connect. And I'm building kind of my story around that uh, based on what I've done career-wise. And so asking, you know, students and, uh, you know, millennials, this, this audience to do that is really tough. It takes, you have to kind of do some reflection on who you are and where you've been. And uh, they've got a lot of life to live. And so to figure that out is a really interesting process. Uh, but the story I want to share is from a senior last year. So she just finished her first year of college and we were doing a little Bible study with um, some seniors going into freshman year of college just because of how huge of a jump that is. Right. And this can apply to any stage that you're at. Um, but we asked like, you know, college is an awesome opportunity to kind of refresh. No one knows who you are. Right. And this is from our, my perspective. Uh, you don't know who your roommate is, all these new beginnings, right? And it was silent for a little bit. And she looked at us and it was a, a group of, of folks. And she looked and finally said something because we were like, okay, no one's responding to this, you know, I, idea that we have, you know, going that next stage of life. And she goes, you know what, actually, that doesn't really happen to us anymore because of social media. Once we have said, hey, we're going to this college, or hey, I know I'm going to be roommates with this person. I can go on their social media. I can see everything they've posted in high school and judge them based on those photos and those videos that they've put out. And it was fascinating for us to hear that and go, wow, that's a lot of pressure. Um, you don't really have, it's really hard to start over um, in college. Like, you know, I did, I was like, I don't know anyone. And that's, you know, how I met Jess, because she didn't know me in high school, right? I was going to say and the same, so, you can say the same thing about the dating world. <laughs> yeah, You show right. up for that, that first date and it's like, okay, half the time people know everything about the person already, so. 100%. And so you can think about that for your career too and where you want to go and are the things I've been posting, you know, do they represent uh, who I am now because I've changed? I would say, I'd, you know, obviously if, if you're doing something illegal or, you know, something of that nature, you're going to want to go back and clean that up and remove that. Or, you know, if you've dated someone, a lot of people post you know, a photo of someone they're dating and now they're not anymore. And I've seen, you know, them go 
and delete those posts. So you just have to be really careful. And so what ends up happening with a lot of people is they don't post anything. And I don't think that's, you know, not healthy is not the right word, but I don't think that's beneficial for you either. I think you just need to figure out if you haven't been posting anything, or if you did post a lot of stuff about things you're not passionate about anymore, then you need to decide, does that need to live on your Instagram page anymore? That's up to you to decide. Um, I'm not going to judge you if you do or you don't. And you don't always have to have like this perfectly rosy, idyllic social media. Pro we always try to put our best foot forward. But the reality is, you mentioned this earlier, we also want to be authentic. We also want to be true to who we are. And part of the application process and part of the essays we write and the stories we're telling can be the journey story. Here's where I was. Here's how my life has changed. And so yeah. if you have some negative things from your past, but they are now going to be part of the story you're trying to tell about why why you now want to go back to graduate school, why you want to be a nurse, why you have decided to become a lawyer because of your past. And that can become part of the story you're going to be telling anyway. You don't need to sanitize your social media, but what you're talking about is exactly right. If, if you were doing something illegal or you have a bunch of racist comments in your social media from five years ago, you may want to go back and clean those up, assuming you're a different person. Hopefully you're a different person today. And I'll add too with, with kind of what's happening with TikTok and people um, singing, if you're not familiar with TikTok, it's you basically can pick a song and start putting, you know, singing, mouthing the lyrics to it, right? And um, there's been several athletes that have gotten in trouble for quoting lyrics with inappropriate language uh, in them. And people have found those tweets. And so be careful with TikTok if you've got a song that has, you know, uh, negative language in it that you know, that could even come back and haunt you. It hasn't, I haven't seen any of those stories happening yet, but for sure on Twitter, you know, people have quoted lyrics to a song and it used a negative word and that's come back to haunt them. So thinking about that too, even though it wasn't your words, if it was someone else's, but it's attached to your name on your profile, that's something you probably need to take a look at. Good advice. So let's talk about that now. We've talked about maybe looking backwards. Now let's look forwards. So Great advice to spend a little bit of time doing some soul searching, figuring out who you are, who you want to be, what story you will tell during the application process. That takes time. It can evolve over time. But now that we're going to think a little bit more intelligently before we press that post button, uh, let me ask you, I guess, kind of this question first. Which social media platforms should students be prioritizing? Should they limit it to like one or two? Should they be trying to be on three or four or five? Uh, how does a student decide which ones to focus on? Yeah. And just to go back to uh, recap what you just said is uh, one of the things to do is to do an audit, you know, is basically what we're talking about on your social media. Like look at your posts look at your last 10 Instagram posts, look at your last 10 Facebook posts, do those represent who you are? So, um, but yeah, moving forward, um, one of the things, you know, is developing some themes around uh, things you're passionate about, right? And um, creating content around that and, you know, being, being vulnerable, right? And that's really hard to do, um, you know, and I still struggle with that in creating content is sharing some of the struggles. And I've got a podcast that I want to record about letting go. Um, I've had to let go of a lot of things this year and I haven't been posting a lot of uh, about that, but I need to get that out because it might help someone else that is going through those same things. And I, 
I've had those conversations with people, but I think it'd be valuable to get that out um, on social media. So, so when it comes to figuring out what platform you should be on, don't, don't get hung up on that. Go to where you're, you're not, you know, you feel comfortable, right? Um, it's just like with creating, you know, if you're a good writer, then write. If you're better at speaking, then, you know, do a podcast. And then when it comes to platforms, I think you need to be on all of them. Uh, but that's just my personal preference. But you need to decide, hey, I'm really connecting and I've got a great community on Facebook. Then put a lot of emphasis into Facebook. But don't put all your eggs in one basket either. Um, because it also shows who you are if you um, do have profiles on on several different platforms. It shows that you're diverse and that um, you know you're sharing this type of content over here, but then you know you're really passionate about this and you're using this platform. So, you know, obviously the big four that I that I look at um, are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then the fourth is LinkedIn. If if anyone in your audience is not using LinkedIn, uh, you need to hit pause right now and go and create a LinkedIn profile because that's going to start moving up when people search your name. It's basically your resume uh, in a digital format. Microsoft now owns LinkedIn and so they're pumping a ton of resources. People are posting a lot of content, the organic reach, which means, you know, Facebook is so flooded now. You remember scrolling through Facebook or I even remember going through Instagram and you would reach the end you know, like you'd start seeing stuff you had already seen. That doesn't happen anymore on Facebook and Instagram because of the algorithms. Well, LinkedIn is in that space right now is they're pulling stuff now from two weeks ago that I maybe didn't see. Um, there's just not a lot of people posting content on LinkedIn. And so you can really become a thought leader in your space uh, using LinkedIn. And especially for graduate students that have thoughts and ideas about certain things they're going into share those or reshare videos and articles from other people around, you know, the things that you're interested on. Uh, and you can do that on Twitter as well. So that's actually a good reminder and encouragement for me. I need to do a little yeah, bit more. It on is for me too. I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> to myself. Uh, let, let me actually come at the question from a slightly different angle. What about people who just might not be active on social media at all? They don't like social media. They just don't want to be on social media. I think about my brother who's a lawyer. He still to this day doesn't have a Facebook account. I actually get a lot of students, and if you're listening to this, you might fall into this category, who are older. I have people who go back to graduate school in their 40s, 50s, even 60s. I had a guy in his 70s decided he wanted to go back and get a PhD. I don't know if that guy has a Facebook or Instagram account or not. So I guess here's my question. Should students force the issue? Should they actually create, and you just said go create a LinkedIn account, but should students decide to get more active on social media? I guess the question is, can social media actually be an asset that they should nurture? Another piece of the puzzle as they're telling story, or if they're not really into Facebook, is it okay just to focus on other things? It's a really great question, and I'm not here to tell anybody, hey, you have to be on social media to be relevant, even though I did just say, hit pause and go sign up with LinkedIn. But, you know, I like to use the analogy or example of, you know, we work with schools and a lot of schools are using social media to get stories out and get the word out. And if paper newsletters that were sent in the mail to every parent, if they knew those were getting read, you know, 
front to back and things like that, then you need to be investing a lot of time in paper newsletters. Well, the fact is that's not happening. And that's why we're going to social media is because we know that's where the attention is at. And so if you want to be noticed, if you want to be recognized, that's happening on social media. And I get it. If you're a lawyer and you're like, Hey, I don't need to be on Facebook. I've got a great business or I'm a nurse. No one, no one really cares about what I'm doing in my work. That's fine. It doesn't affect your job necessarily, unless you own your own business or, you know, in this case, your audience, they're trying to get recognized for the things, you know, that they're doing and the accomplishments they've made. Then it's important. You know, it, it just depends what, you know, space you're in in your life, right? And so everybody's kind of in a unique situation. For me, social media has changed my life and I've built a business around it, right? And so you have to ask yourself that question and, and really, again, do that audit and reflect, you know, is this something, you know, I want to invest in and learn more about because maybe they aren't, they don't understand it. They don't get these platforms and that's why they're not on them, right? And I totally get that. I'm not, I don't do a lot of things because I like cooking. I want to get, be better at cooking. I don't know anything about cooking because my mom did it my whole life and now my wife does it. And my wife's like, gosh, you don't know how to do anything in the kitchen. Like I can rinse dishes, right? And that's because I just don't get it. I don't understand it, right? But I want to um, because I want to eat healthier and I want to do all these things. And so you got to put in the time, you got to do the research if you know, you think it's going to benefit your life. It can become an asset to you, whether we're talking about cooking and in the kitchen, it can serve you, it can serve your wife, it can serve your life. Yeah. Same thing with social media. So I think there's an opportunity there. All right. So transitioning as we kind of wrap up this conversation, let's say a student's already in school and thinking about their career beyond one of the things that you focus on at Class Intercom and you even have it right on your website is empowering students to become digital leaders. Talk a little bit more about what that means, what you're talking about when you say becoming a digital leader and how it can serve people long-term. Well, we all know how important leadership is. And we've just put the word digital in front of that word because of social media and because of our phones and these devices and technology and how you know they've changed our lives. And so being a digital leader looks like, you know, for you, you know, acting like the same person you are offline as you are, you know, that you want to be online and being true to yourself, being authentic and real. And so um, be an example, providing value to other people is what being a digital leader looks like and creating content for maybe your business. And so, you know, it can mean a lot of different things, just like leadership is a massive topic, but it's just how do you want to represent yourself as a leader online, you know, is what digital leadership looks like. And we talk a lot about digital citizenship as well. You know, what is, you know, a lot of schools dive into that topic to teach them, you know, are your, you have the good passwords, you know, is your, when you Google your name, what comes up, you know, all of those different things we think about uh, with citizenship. Um, again, just putting that word digital because of how much technology has changed and, you know, we're putting our credit cards online to buy things and like all of these things you have to think about um, in this digital world we live in. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And thinking about maybe entrepreneurs or people who want to create success in the business world, you've talked about how you've done it in your own business. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs or people who are going to school to go out and build and grow their own business in terms of what they should be thinking about using social media to do that? Yeah, and I've got, like I said, it's changed my life. Um, And what social media has allowed is communities to be built online. Uh, If you think about 20, 30 years ago, where if you wanted to go get what's happening in the community, you'd go to the local coffee shop uh, or, you know, community center or church or whatever. Now the walls have been broken down uh, because of social media. And if you're interested in a specific topic, and I'll use teachers, for example, or education, uh, they've gravitated towards Twitter. Um, Because now you can share something you're doing in your classroom and everybody in the world can see that. And that's really powerful. And so they call them their personal learning network or, uh, uh, you know, professional development is happening through Twitter, through Twitter chats and things like that. So whatever you're in, if, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you can go to these social media platforms and find other entrepreneurs who maybe have done what you're trying to do and you can reach out to them and connect with them. And that's why one of the pillars in my life is, you know, connect because I've used social media to introduce me and develop relationships. Like with Ben, my co-founder, we interacted on Twitter first, and then we had a face-to-face conversation and became friends and now business partners. And so I think that's where a lot of people get hung up as they think of social media, the negative side of things, use it as a gateway to get you to meet people face to face or connect or learn, right? That's, that's the power of social media, not always talking about me, 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 selfies, shoes, things like that. Use it to connect. Hey, this person is doing something that's really interesting. I want to reach out to them. Well, guess what? You can go to Twitter, you can go to Instagram and you can go to LinkedIn and you can message those people. You could not do that 20 years ago, right? I could get on Twitter right now and and shoot a tweet to Mark Cuban if I wanted to and say, hey, what do you think about this business idea? And he's maybe has someone on his team that will read it, maybe not. But the access, the walls have been, are, are broken down now with social media. And if you have that lens, it really changes your perspective on, on how you can use social media. And then from an entrepreneur standpoint, just allows you to be visible to your customers. They get to see the human side of you. You know, you've got this brand but they want to know who Brett is, who Taylor is behind Class Intercom or the business name. That's what creates that story and engages them. And so that's what I've done in my, my career uh, working with schools is just sharing all the amazing things happening. There, yes, there's some negative things, um, but we want to share the positive stories and encourage and bring value to other people. And if you do that, your community is going to notice that and they're going to, be, they're going to gravitate towards you because they want to be a part of that energy and the excitement that you're bringing uh, and using social media to to showcase. What I hear you saying is that social media presents opportunity, uh, regardless Absolutely. of what people currently think about it. And there may be some negatives, but there's also a lot of opportunity in all sorts of areas. And so students need to embrace that and learn how to how to use it for good and learn it, use it to empower themselves to accomplish their goals and their dreams and add value to others and make the world a better place. All right, so let's wrap things up with a quick discussion about logistics. I said I was going to table this part of the conversation and come back to it later. 
well, it is later. And we already kind of talked about how sometimes life can get in the way. We know we're supposed to create content and post Instagram stories and maybe shoot a quick video or a Facebook Live. And the next thing we know, the week is coming gone and we haven't put anything out there. What can people do logistically? Do you have recommendations for how students can actually uh, you know, stay organized and make sure they are getting content out in a somewhat consistent manner? Well, the first thing I'll say to that is, you know, when you're talking about things you're passionate about, it's naturally going to happen. If you're f- trying to force yourself to talk about certain things on social media, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Um, and so if you're passionate about it, you know, people are going to get value out of it. Things will, you'll naturally want to share that on social media, but there are some kind of hacks you can kind of do. One is, you know, creating, let's say it's a blog post and you've got something that's really on your mind that you want to get out to the world uh, and you're a really good writer, then write it out. And maybe that's a journal you've done or some, something you've been thinking about a long time. Take the time to write it out. If you're a writer, I am not a great writer. So I have uh, people around me that help me kind of organize my thoughts for writing. Um, but write it out and then take that long form piece of content because that's the best part of social media is sometimes we don't have time to read a 10 minute blog post. We just want to know kind of the, you know, a highlight reel, if you will, of that blog post. Take that blog and break it up into 10 different pieces of social media content. That takes a little bit of time. um, But if you want people to read it, you need to give them a reason to click on that link. And sometimes a little graphic, maybe it's a video of you sharing, you know, 30 second video going, hey, I just posted this blog up on my LinkedIn profile or on Medium, whatever platform you use. And here's, you know, three things that three bullet points, if you will, kind of highlights on why you should go read the rest and kind of tease them, if you will. Um, And if you're not a good writer, then do a podcast. And so I I kind of dove into that this last spring and um, haven't been consistent with it, which I would suggest if you're going to to get into something, again, I'm speaking to myself here, um, try to be consistent with it and find themes that you're interested in, right? And so that was part of my struggle was I was kind of all over the place, just kind of experimenting. And so like for you, you've got a theme, like very specific niche um, type of podcast. And that, that really helps you narrow it down. And then don't put pressure on yourself. If you don't get something out that week, you know, no one's going to be like commenting negatively saying, hey, I, you know, I'm really mad you didn't post a podcast this week. They might go, gosh, I really value your podcast. It's been helping me a lot. Um, you know, sorry, you didn't get one out this week or whatever. Those don't happen a lot of time. Uh, but we put pressure on ourselves and we beat ourselves up and then we don't end up posting any content like the podcast I was talking about that I have in my head, um, that I was going to do over break and then kids, you know, work, everything got in the way and I haven't got it out. Um, and I'm not beating myself up over it. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be written down. I'm going to try to knock that out, but do it when, you know, when you have time, if, you think it's going to provide value to other people. Like I can't emphasize that enough. Cool. And I know Class Intercom is also a great way to keep things organized. You can schedule posts in advance. So you can do what I call batching content. You can create a ton of content now. Maybe you have a power hour, sit down for two hours during your work day on a Monday and you schedule out for the entire week. And I know Class Intercom gives you the ability to do that. So if you're a high school student, if you're in a school, if you're an administrator, definitely check out Class Intercom. By the way, is Class Intercom usable by people not in high school? Yeah, we're, we're built for K-12. Uh, 
education, you know, public, private, charter, whatever, um, just because of the moderation process and things like that. But uh, we have other educational organizations using it because it's the power of it is you can collaborate with as many people as you want to create social media content. Because if you're at a school, you're at a bank, whatever it is, it takes a lot of people to kind of coordinate and create social media content. Um, and a lot of these schools have one person. And so that's the idea to get students or even staff involved um, is intriguing because they can't be everywhere at once. And it's, it's not a one person job. Uh, to do social media. And so we kind of introduced this idea of getting everybody to be storytellers on your campus. Um, and they can do that through our mobile app, but you can still have control and moderate that post before it gets published. So uh, it's been a fun journey and we're excited for this year and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to to share what my passion is and creating content and working with schools and, and, and students uh, to, you know, have a future because in creating content, because whatever they go into, you listed several different, you know, career paths, most likely, even if, you know, they're a doctor, they're going to need to be, if you want to be noticed as a doctor, you're going to need to be creating content, be a thought leader. And that's the world we live in. Um, and I think it's exciting. It's very exciting. And I know what you have shared has been incredibly valuable and powerful for people listening as well. So I thank you for your time. Quickly, if somebody wants to learn more or is interested in uh, learning more about Class Intercom, how can people find you? Yeah, so personally, I'm just Taylor Siebert uh, on all social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And then Class Intercom is just classintercom.com. Uh, you can check out all of our resources there. We've got a, a blog. We have a podcast called The Content Generation um, where we're kind of revamping now. We're going to feature a lot of teachers who are creating content um, out in the, in the world uh, and just a, a heart for, for helping people create content. Um, and so you can check that out, webinars, all that on classintercom.com. And I'll put some of that in the show notes below. So go ahead and check the show notes. And with that, we will wrap up this conversation on social media. I look forward to seeing how your business evolves in the coming year. And as social media changes, maybe we can touch base again at some point in the future, but very much appreciate you giving your time and expertise here on the Dominate Test Prep Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. This week's From the Mailbag question comes from Ibrahim, who wrote and said, quote, Please, do you have any advice on how to prepare for the writing part of the GRE test? Thank you very much for your time and consideration, end quote. Well, Ibrahim, thank you for reaching out. Hopefully you're listening to this. And yes, I do have some advice for you, not only as you're preparing for the GRE, but anybody who's looking for help on the writing portion, very similar on the GMAT, for example. And there are kind of two parts to your question or two potential ways of going about answering it. One is how to actually prepare for the writing part, and that is a very in-depth discussion. Like, we could do a whole podcast episode on that. I have an entire section of my courses devoted to teaching you how to actually prepare for it. Because in a lot of cases, on the GRE and the GMAT, for example, there's an essay where you have to analyze an argument. And that requires learning how to analyze arguments and the parts of an arguments and patterns of arguments and how to identify and find assumptions and strengthen and weaken assumptions. And, and all of that is a fairly lengthy discussion, not to mention a discussion around kind of what the test makers are looking for, what the graders are looking for, how to structure an essay and all of that. And so that's more in depth 
depth than I can go to here, but I think part of what you were asking that I can answer and will answer right now is how to practice for the writing part of the GRE. And obviously part of practicing is just to do it. You need to get your hands on some sample prompts, some sample essay prompts, and just practice writing your essay in 30 minutes, which is how much time you have on the GRE and GMAT incidentally. But really any standardized test you're taking, if there is an essay portion, you wanna practice that because being able to effectively analyze an argument or evaluate an issue, for example, which you have to do on the GRE. It takes some, some work and some practice and you have to learn, but then just because you know how to do it, can you do it under the time constraints? And so that takes some practice. But here's really my advice for you, and here's where I wanna point you to. A lot of people don't know about this. They don't know this website exists, and that is the official ETS website for the GRE, it's actually a really good website. So even if you are taking the GMAT, for example, or any standardized test where you have to write an essay, analyzing an issue or analyzing an argument, the GRE's website is actually a great resource because here's what they do. And so the website is ets.org forward slash GRE. And I'll go ahead and post direct links in the show notes, but you can kind of navigate to the part where they talk about the test and then you can kind of drill down preparing for the test and they have a section about the analytical writing section. And what they do is they have actually made available publicly for free every single potential issue task and argument task that could appear on the GRE. And so obviously they may or may not appear in similar form on the GMAT, but again, they're great to practice, even if they're not the exact prompts that would be on the GMAT or the SAT or the ACT. It's still a great source of essay prompts that you can use to practice. And then here's where it gets really cool. They also have links you can click on that again, I'll post in the show notes below where they give you some sample essay responses with the grade for each of those responses. So you can start to learn what does a 1.0 level essay look like? What does a two, you know, a score of a two essay look like? A score of a three, all the way up to a score of a six. Like if you're trying to get a five or a six, what is a really good essay response to this particular sample issue task or argument task look like? And you can learn a lot from that. So obviously, as you're thinking about preparing, I do encourage you to you know, take a course like mine or get some sort of instruction on how to actually answer these questions, evaluate arguments, structure good essays, but you can still learn a lot just by reading some of the sample essays that have been published for you for free on the ets.org website and also get a better sense of kind of the scoring guide and what test makers are looking for in terms of what constitutes a good essay. All right, here we are at the end of another episode of the Dominate Test Prep Podcast, and it is time for your action item. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Taylor about social media, and I think the key point of what we discussed, obviously there's a lot of technical stuff and things that you can think about in terms of going back and scrubbing through some of your social media pages, and maybe you go to LinkedIn, and so there's some obvious to-do items, some obvious action items, but I think the most important thing you should take action on is taking some time for reflection, for thinking about who you are, who you want to be, and the image you want to present about who you are 
authentically, not trying to conjure up some sort of fake image that you can portray through social media, which is what so many people do, kind of only painting the positive parts of their life. Uh, but no, rather, like, who are you authentically and how can you represent that in the types of things that you are posting online? Because a little bit of forethought now, a little bit of soul searching, a little bit about digging into what you are all about will go a long way in terms of helping you think through and prepare for the content you will create to put out through your social media channels. And by the way, as we talked about, it will also serve you well as you think about crafting other aspects of your application, including the S you will write and and so forth because it's all part of that same story so carve out some time even today to sit in quiet reflection maybe put on some good music some classical music get out your journal block out the outside world for a little bit and oh by the way kind of ironically maybe turn off your social media for like an hour or so and just sit and think and reflect connect with your why connect with who you are and who you want to be and it will serve you well so there you go go take action action on that. I would love to hear from you and kind of what you what you come up with and what you may have questions about. You can always reach out to us at support at dominatetestprep.com or me directly, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at dominatetestprep.com. We would love reviews. We would love your five-star ratings. So definitely subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We have some great stuff in store for you throughout the rest of this year on the Dominate Test Prep podcast. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And we will look forward to seeing you next time on the Dominate Test Prep podcast. Take care, everyone.